Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Canty and Garland on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Myron Metgaff. We are filling in for the guys, taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports. That's me, at Metgaff by ESPN. That's him. You can also join the conversation on the CC call-in line at one say espn 888 Three seven seven six. So, Myron, we got a ton to unpack on today's show. There are NFL storylines. Also, it's day two of Deshaun Watson's disciplinary hearing. We will keep you updated on the latest there. Is it over for Serena Williams? She lost in the first round of Wimbledon yesterday. We will get into that a bit. Keyshawn Johnson, he put out a very controversial top five scariest quarterbacks in the NFL list. Myron and I will be giving you our take. But we start where we have been starting. Let's be real, Myron. We start with Kyrie Irving. He is the gift that keeps on giving. The latest yesterday was that he got into a beef with Stephen A. Smith. We broke that down. If you missed any of that, you can always check out the Canty and Carlin podcast on the ESPN app. But we know that Kyrie Irving has opted in to the final year of his deal, his player option. He took the money, roughly $37 million, Myron. So that makes... For the time being, the picture a little bit more clear with Kyrie Irving, but is it over? I mean, there's still a possibility here that there's more to the story. There's a lot more to the story, I think. I mean, we haven't heard from Kevin Durant, which is odd to me. We've heard from Kevin Durant on everything that's transpired in the NBA since the end of the season. Uh, We haven't heard from him on this. Is he happy? Is he excited about the move? How does this affect how he's viewing the future? We don't know the health of Ben Simmons. Uh, We don't know what Kyrie's attitude is going to be going into a year like this. Uh, And then we also don't know if Steve Nash can manage what could potentially be a mess. I think, Amber, the Nets are going to go into this season and say, listen, let's go through November. Let's get through December. Let's see if this is working. And the minute it feels like it's not working, Kyrie Irving is on the trading block. They get rid of him and they try to move forward with KD. If KD wants to stick around without his buddy. So there are so many things that could happen between now and the trade deadline. I agree with you. I feel like we probably will see this combination of the Brooklyn Nets on the court for probably the first half of the season. It allows the Nets an opportunity to evaluate what they have. They haven't been able to fully evaluate it because it's never together. It's never healthy. It's never out there at the same time for a variety of reasons. We haven't seen Ben Simmons as part of this mix. That's what that team so desperately needed was some help 
defensively. So Ben Simmons on this team on paper is a good fit, Myron. You know, he doesn't have to be out there with the narrative that he can't shoot because we don't necessarily care about that. He's playing alongside Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. What they need so desperately is help on the defensive end. And of course, the last time we saw Ben Simmons play, he was an elite defender. But I don't know what he looks like now. And that is part of this equation. So to me, Myron, it's not just what we see from Kyrie. Yes, obviously Kyrie has to show up to work. And I mean, don't at me like you did Stephen A. Smith, but we've all been saying it, right? You got to see the dedication to the organization and to the game from him. Katie has to stay healthy, but it's also just the combination, how successful it can be because Last year, I saw it in the playoffs with a healthy Kyrie and KD. They were out there, and they got swept in the first round. Maybe Ben Simmons is the answer. Maybe, uh, but you got three guys who've all had issues getting along with teammates in the past. They're not exactly known as sort of the missing pieces in the championship puzzles. Uh, they're three guys that have to prove something, not even just on the court, but can they work together, Amber? We don't know the answer to that yet with those three guys, and I'm anxious to see if this works, if I had to bet money, I think most of us, most of us would assume Kyrie's gone by the trade deadline and this thing falls apart at some point. Well, what's interesting about Kyrie opting in is maybe for the time being, uh, this picture gets a little bit clearer, but actually he becomes a very viable asset because now Irving has put himself in a position where he's simply a player on an expiring contract this mm -hmm. upcoming season and players on expiring contracts are pretty easy to trade, Myron. I mean, they're actually a great deal easier than impending free agents because when a team acquires a player through a sign-and-trade, which is what they'd be doing here, they trigger a hard cap, the luxuries tax apron expected to come in are almost 156 million next season, and there was those six teams he was reportedly interested in. So basically, long story short, because he opts it, and now we have the answer that he's opting in, Nope. It still allows the Brooklyn Nets to be in a position to potentially trade him. Bobby Marks, ESPN's NBA front office insider, was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max today. He said that those trade talks may heat up, but it won't be for a little bit. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Bobby Mark sound? That's something we're probably talking about in, like, January, February. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. things go off the tracks here in Brooklyn, things go really south here where you're just – if you're the Nets and you're thinking, you know what, we're not going to sign this guy next year. Can we get a first or second-round pick, even if it means taking Russell Westbrook back? You know, I think that's, that's, that's a discussion for December and January. That's not a discussion right Thank now. You. So there's options for these teams. And frankly, the teams on his list, like there, there was a problem with the teams on his list in terms of being able to fit him under the cap. It's one reason there was probably a lack of market for him. It will be a little bit easier now that he's on an expiring deal because then you can let him go essentially maybe to free agent status and, and hand him a new deal and structure it how you need to under your cap. But basically, 
the trade talks for Kyrie Irving or the trade rumors, I should say. It's far from over that we are going to be sitting here theorizing whether he's going to be traded. Like, this is going to continue to happen, Myron. It's definitely going to be the main storyline, I think, coming into the season. It's also interesting in terms of who's initiating this, right? Like three years ago, if you said Kyrie might be available, I think a lot of teams around the NBA would have raised their hands and said, let's make it work somehow. But now we're in a position where, you know, the Nets are going to have to give him up and they're not going to get the same talent in return. But I think if you're the Brooklyn Nets, it's not just performance on the court. Let's say Brooklyn gets into the season and they don't look like a championship contender. That's one conversation about Kyrie and his role in that. The other conversation is, is he just a headache? Is he just a guy where you're going, listen, we're just done with the Kyrie experiment. And even though we're not going to get somebody of equal value in return, we'd rather do that than have to put up with him. And I think Kyrie, to me, continues to be one of those guys where you go, are they going to reach a breaking point at some point, Amber, where it's not even about the basketball, where it's just about everything else that you just don't want to deal with anymore when it comes to him? It seems like they were already at that breaking point, right? I mean, we were getting the rumors that they were ready to blow the whole thing up if that's what it cost them. Like, sure, Kyrie, go shop around, see what you can get in a sign and trade. If Kyrie walks or if he had walked, if he hadn't opted in, if he had walked and taken $6 million with the Lakers, left $30 million on the table, they knew that might cost them Kevin Durant. But they were willing to blow the whole thing up, Myron, then hand Kyrie Irving an extension, which all of this was about Kyrie Irving wanting an extension from Brooklyn. It's going to be interesting because, of course, now also, like, Kyrie could choose to leave after the final year expires on his contract. Like, maybe he is also bitter with the organization for not handing him an extension. And even if it goes well this season, he's going to be out because that's his decision. So this story is long from over when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets and its relationship with Kyrie Irving. So it should be uh, just buckle up. Like, we have – you and I – Start, I've started every show this week. You know, we're talking about Kyrie Irving off the top. And yeah. frankly, we're probably going to continue talking about Kyrie Irving off the top for quite some time. But it should be an interesting watch what's happening in Brooklyn, New York. There are other players that might be on the move, though, in the NBA. We're going to unpack all that. Jalen Brunson, it looks like, it feels like, anyways, a done deal that he's headed to the Knicks. Where does that leave the Dallas Mavericks? What about Damian Lillard in Portland? We'll unpack all of that in just a moment. But first, a word from Vivid. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and you can be there to catch all the action live with Vivid Seats. Get out to the ballpark and experience every home run, every web gem, and every walk-off. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, you'll start earning free tickets with your very first purchase. Buy 10 tickets, get the 11th one free. That's like getting 10% back on every ticket. From the box seats to the bleachers, Vivid Seats has you covered with tickets at great prices all summer long. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. So there's more to unpack in the NBA than just Kyrie Irving. We bring in our next guest to help us do just that. Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report contributor. He covers the NBA. He is also the author of Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League 
forever. Jenk, thanks for joining us. I want to start somewhere other than Kyrie Irving. I feel like we've talked about that story ad nauseum, but there's another big story brewing in the NBA with Jalen Brunson. It looks like he is headed to the New York Knicks. So my question is, what do the Mavericks do now in his absence? The Mavericks are, you know, they're in a bit of a bind. And I think they'll try to figure out ways to turn this into a sign trade where they potentially don't take back any player salary. So they create a traded player exception, which they could use. I mean, that's a mechanism that uh, Portland used to take in Jeremy Grant, for example, very recently. Um, they're going to get Tim Hardaway Jr. back from injury. They're going to look at him as a, as a big potential offseason, uh, quote-unquote, addition. And I would think Jalen Brunson heading to New York also opens the door for Luka Doncic's countryman, Goran Dragic, uh, to finally make his way to Dallas after that's been kind of rumored to be a possible landing spot for him dating back to last offseason. Who do you think is going to end up paying both DeAndre Ayton and Miles Bridges? It's difficult to find that answer right now, being that Detroit was supposed to be the potential boogeyman to pay both of those guys and the Pistons, you know, put a big factor in Jalen Brunson being able to head to New York where they took on Kemba Walker's $8 million salary on draft night and 19 million combined uh, between their own Noel and Augsburg last night that cut the Pistons salary cap in half and or the space in half. And then from my reporting, they're going to give Malcolm Bradley or Marvin Bagley, excuse me, um, upwards of 10, maybe even more million every year. So, I mean, for like a two-year deal, I think. So that's going to leave the Pistons with less than like 7 million. I think with Aiton, you know, Toronto might seem like his only real option to get a real offer right now. And and, and that would have to be a sign and trade with Bridges. He's going to have to hope the Pacers uh, want to make a real play for him. I've heard they picked around the idea. The Pacers could also potentially be a sign-and-trade team with Aiton where Miles Turner, who has the same representation as Aiton, uh, they, they could seemingly swap places if the Pacers had an idea of doing something like that. Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report contributor, joining us on Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson, and Myron Metcalf filling in for the guys. Let's talk about Bradley Beal for a second, Jake. It seems like he is going to opt out of his player option. Is that just a tactic to get paid even more from the Wizards? Is there any chance he's on the move? And what are the Wizards going to do if he stays? Can they give him any help? Doesn't sound like it. Um, it really does sound like he's going to get a five-year, $248 million maximum contract for Washington once he hits the open market. They're not done. I mean, they traded for Monty Morris and Will Barton this afternoon um, or early this morning. My, my head's all scrambled from being on the phone for the last two weeks. Um, but then they sent out KCP and Ish Smith to do that. They now only have one point guard on their roster. I mean, point guard's been their area that they've been looking to target to upgrade with, that, with Bradley Beal, they've got a you know a surplus of young wings that they've taken in the lottery the last couple of years. They just made a big uh, move at the trade deadline to bring on Kristaps Porzingis. So I think they're not done yet in, in the point guard market. I, I would I would look for Washington to continue to explore ways uh, to find backcourt help. A year ago, we were talking about Dame reportedly asking for a trade, considering a trade. It seemed like his future in Portland was in doubt. Where does he stand now? What's Dame's future with Portland? And what do they have to do to make that team a contender? 
Portland has been looking at every which way to continue to add veteran talent around Dame and, and to keep him happy and to keep him there long term. And I, I do expect them to offer him a two-year, $100 million-plus extension, uh, you know, probably pretty quickly into free agency. They were trying to go get OG Nobi with the seventh pick from Toronto, um, you know, where they continue to look to add veteran, you know, wing defender guys like Jeremy Grant. I'm not so sure. I mean, they were linked to Miles Bridges. I know that uh, Josh Hart, who is on the Trailblazers, he got there by way of New Orleans at the deadline, the C.J. McCollum deal. Josh Hart was involved in early sign-and-trade talks last summer with Charlotte and New Orleans and Chicago in the three-team deal that ultimately brought Lonzo Ball to Chicago and Devontae Graham to New Orleans. If there is a way for Portland to make an offer and to try to find a deal for Miles Bridges that would have to be a sign-and-trade, I could see Josh Hart still having interest with Charlotte, but that's not something I'm really like fully expecting to happen. Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard, the two most loyal dudes in the league. Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report contributor. Jake, I haven't heard anybody talk about Tyler Hero's potential extension with the Miami Heat. It seems like Victor Oladipo is not going to be with the Heat next season, maybe frees up a little bit money for them. No, no P.J. Tucker either. What's happening with the sixth man of the year's extension? Early indications I've gotten, Tyler Hero is going to get roughly $25 million a year, which, which I would think, you know, Jalen Brown's contract, four for 100 with Boston, has always seemed like a number that um, Jalen Brown signed that a couple years ago. That's always kind of been the ballpark I had in mind for what Hero's deal would be. I, I don't know what the number will finally get to because you know, we're still early in all this stuff, but that $25 million a year has been the, the early indication I've gotten to expect in his average annual salary. Jake, if Zach Levine can't get that fifth year from Chicago, what are the chances he walks? I think they're they're slim at this point. I mean, the word around the league has gotten pretty significant, I would say, that he's going back to Chicago. They just had to figure out where things are going to stand. Um, so, I mean, the fifth year is, is important. I mean, these stars want their flexibility. They, they usually want the fifth year to be a, a player option, let alone fully guaranteed. Um, so maybe they find a way to meet in the middle um, where it's partially guaranteed or something like that. I, I, I really have no read on, on where that thing stands. But I would be very surprised, and I think everyone that I've spoken to around the NBA would be pretty surprised if, uh, if Zach Levine does not uh, stay back in Chicago. Finally here, Jake, on the way out, what's the latest on DeJounte Murray trade talks? DeJounte Murray is definitely a man in demand. Um, the Hawks continue to be mentioned as a team that are looking to find ways to get him. Um, New York all of a sudden has popped up as a potential team with their new war chest of picks after their draft night trades. They got three extra firsts from OKC. Um, and they, I, I believe they set one of those OKC picks out the door and got another pick back from Detroit. So they've got they've got draft capital. They've got an extra pick from Dallas still, all the way back in that Kristaps uh, Porzingis trade. Um, so they can do some things to try to potentially put uh, three firsts and what have you on the table for, for Dejounte Murray. That that's the asking price I've heard the San Antonio Spurs have for their young All Star point guard. It sounds like they want a Drew Holiday type deal. Back from 2020, which, you know, with three first-round picks and players, I've had – I talked to a GM last night who said when he called San Antonio yesterday, 
they said they wanted four first rounders for him. So their price is definitely very high. Four first rounders. My, <laughs> my goodness. Uh, I guess Looking shoot your shot. There. Oh, goodness. Uh, Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report contributor, also author of Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Jake, thanks so much for joining us. You got it. Thank you, guys. Coming up next, how does a potential season-long suspension for Deshaun Watson impact Cleveland's plans for Baker Mayfield? We will unpack that. This is Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured... It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Amber Wilson and Myron Metcalf filling in for the guys on Canty and Carlin. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports at Metcalf by ESPN. Deshaun Watson's hearing... Before the NFL and the NFLPA's jointly appointed disciplinary officer, Sue Robinson, is ongoing today. And Dan Graziano, Myron, is reporting that this hearing could go past Wednesday, could go into Thursday. And then, of course, Sue Robinson will at some point issue a ruling on whether Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended, whether he violated the league conducts policy and then what the disciplinary action is for that violation, essentially. At that point, then Deshaun Watson could appeal the ruling. The NFL could appeal the ruling. And then we have to wait and find out whether it's going to be Roger Goodell who would hear that appeal or whether he would in uh, appoint another independent arbitrator. So there's still quite a lot to this process. We don't have the answers surrounding Deshaun Watson yet, but we are going to speak with our next guest about what this means also for the Cleveland Browns moving forward, because we are closer at least to an answer, Myron. So let's bring in our friend Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter, First Take, Her Take podcast. And Kimberly, let's start with this Deshaun Watson situation. I know we won't have an official ruling, but is it your expectation that you will see Deshaun Watson under center for the Cleveland Browns at some point this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, you just laid it out. We we don't know. Um, I uh, here's what I will say. Even in the off season, when there were 12, 13 teams that were interested in Deshaun Watson, teams and execs and coaches I spoke to all assumed that he would miss. Uh, he'd be suspended for eight games. Like that was just the thought. Like if you were interested in Deshaun Watson, you were just sort of working off of that theory based off of you try to look at, at, at past precedent, even though this is a new situation, a new CBA, a new jointly appointed disciplinary officer, the first time Sue Robinson is in this position to um, hear, um, you know, both sides in this, in this matter. So there was always an expectation that he would miss some sort of game, six to eight, right? So that was always the working assumption. I, as of right now, I don't know. Um, you know, I've heard that the NFL could could um, could suggest that he should be recommend that he should be suspended for at least a year. But again, this is a situation where the longer this plays out uh, beyond the field, the worse it is for Deshaun from the standpoint of Deshaun and the Browns in the NFL. Just because we're talking about 
we're not talking about football. And that's what all three sides want to get back to, right? The sooner, because this is a football move. Whether you like it or not, this was a football move. All those teams that were interested in Deshaun and the four teams that made it to the end and the Cleveland Browns giving him a record $230 million guaranteed contract, it was strictly a business move because he is a good, very good, very good football player. So the longer this plays out, it's worse for, for all parties involved because they want to move on. But I don't know where this will go because Sue Robinson could take several weeks to, to give her, um, make her decision. Even if the hearing concludes this week, I was told it's going to continue today, possibly into tomorrow as well. So if it takes several weeks and before her decision is rendered and one side, both sides appeal, um, we don't know how far that could go. Obviously, both sides would want this. The Browns and Deshaun Watson want this wrapped up before training camp so we at least know where he stands. Is he the week one starter or not? Um, and I think that's what, that's what they're hoping for. I think that we're having some technical difficulty with Myron Metcalf, Kimberly A. Martin joining us, ESPN NFL reporter, First Take, Her Take podcast here on Canty and Carlin. Amber Wilson and Myron Metcalf, if we can get this mic working, uh, filling in for the guys. But Kimberly, how does this affect Baker Mayfield? What is going on? What is the latest with the Baker Mayfield market? I mean, it seems inconceivable that he would be back under center no matter what happens with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. But why isn't anybody making a move right now for Baker? The expectation is that he will not be a Cleveland Brown uh, come week one. Now, given what we've seen happen in the NFL, I can't, you know, never say never. I can't say it's impossible there is a scenario in that a trade does not come to fruition by training camp, by the end of training camp, and he does end up still on the Browns roster. That is possible, but Amber, that is very, very unlikely. Baker spoke yesterday, talked about how both sides have, have at this point accepted moving on. I think the Browns made that move first by going after Deshaun Watson, and then Baker had the hurt feelings. Um, and then decided, well, I don't want to be here either. Um, but the Browns had already moved on. So I think the, the difficult thing with the Baker situation is that his contract, $19 million, about $19 million and it's guaranteed. Uh, there are also the draft pick, pick or picks, that kind of compensation. It's got to be a, a deal that makes sense financially and when you're talking about the draft pick. So the Browns are not going to give him away for nothing. Um, you know, conceivably, they could still keep him on the roster, um, but both sides want to move on. Baker, the most important thing for him is to get back on the field and play. You could argue, well, that makes sense in Cleveland, but whether it be the emotionality of the, of all of this, there's the business side, but the emotions, um, Baker, I love Baker as a player. I think what makes him great is his emotion, but it's also tied into this level of sort of, immaturity, the chip on my shoulder, me against the world, you know, that that makes him great, but it also can be a detriment at times. And I think that won't, all of that won't allow him to go back into that locker room. And that locker room, literally, I was in Cleveland, that locker room has completely turned the page on him and is all in on Deshaun Watson, despite what is happening outside the field um, and, and outside that building. Kimberly, sorry for the technical difficulties earlier. It turns out you have to plug okay. your mic back in after the long break. Uh, that's what <laughs> professionals uh, 
sometimes forget <laughs> to do. Uh, Washington plugging Carson Wentz back in, giving him another chance. Mm-hmm. What yeah, should we expect that from him? That Nintendo cartridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What do you expect from Carson Wentz um, this year? Guys, I wish I could tell you. I, I was asked the same thing on Get Up, same thing on This Justin. I wish I had a crystal ball to tell Washington Commander fans that this will be the year. Carson figures it out. He will be the long-term answer at quarterback. Because you know what? Carson now finds himself in another situation where he has a good roster. Despite what's happening in the front office with Dan Snyder, this is a, a franchise that is trying to turn the corner with a stable head coach, a great team president, good coaches around them, a young crop of talent. They just re-signed Terry McLaurin. So you'd hope that Carson would figure it out. But Carson's issue has never been about the talent. And unfortunately for Carson and fans of Carson, that year, 2017, whatever it was in Philly, that has become the aberration in his career. But it's the thing that people always point to, like, ah, that's why he can be a number one starter. Yes, he has all the potential. Yes, he has all the tools. Guys I talk to, He's throwing the ball well. His new teammates can see that. But the issue is not practice time. The issue is not talent. It is in critical moments in games. Can he not turn the football over? Can he not throw interceptions? Can he win the big game when you need him to? And unfortunately for him, Indianapolis, that should be a red flag for him internally, where Frank Wright and Chris Ballard, and Frank Wright put his reputation, like said, I'm going to bat for this guy. We need to bring him in. We can fix him. He's great. And after a year, they said, thank you, but we will see you later. So that should be a major red flag for Carson. And hopefully that jump starts him and pushes him, propels him in the right direction because he does have immense talent. He has the talent. He certainly has a lot to prove, though, now after these mm-hmm. last couple of very tumultuous years. Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter, of course, also host of First Take, Her Take podcast. Kimberly, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Coming up next, has Serena Williams won won her last major? We will unpack that. This is Canty and Carlin with Amber Wilson and Myron Metcalf. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Let's let people behind the curtain here. I can't see Carlin for a second. Myron Metcalf, Amber Wilson, Myron Metcalf filling in for the guys. It's been a little bit of a rough hour, you know, because yeah. off the top first segment, uh, I don't know what happened with Matt Lack back there on the board, but sometimes, you know, in Bristol, things are cray. And then also yeah. people break out into sports conversations and all sorts of conversations during the show. And yeah. so for whatever reason, Matt Lack was a little distracted. We got to sound a little bit late. I was right, Amber, Amber I hate seconds. to cut you off. I got to jump in here. I got to say mm. my boy. This is Shannon. I got to say my boy, Matt Lack, because it wasn't <laughs> on him. 
I'm going to take the blame for this one. Okay. Uh, Devin Kane, Pence another fault. producer at ESPN, and I were talking because okay. there's a story on .com right now about the one-year anniversary of NIL that was written by one Myron Metcalf. We were talking. We got loud in here. We got excited, and we were distracting Myron Metcalf. So I want to – I got to hold it Metcalf, down for my boy Ryan Metlack. Who, by the way, doesn't remember writing the story, even though it was published <laughs> Wait, today. So there's that. so that's, bad, Amber. That's how, how busy ESPN <laughs> is keeping Myron Metcalf. Uh, hopefully one day I won't remember what I'm – what I'm doing or what I'm writing either. But then in segment two, uh, Myron just disappeared on me because I I mean, I couldn't hear him. I could see him in the zoom talking, couldn't hear you at all. And what's bad about it when it happens in the three o'clock hours, and I'm like, oh no, I've got I've got three hours <laughs> of radio hours, that I'm yeah. about to be doing by myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to leave you hanging. That that was all on me. Like during that long break, so I make a uh, fresh peppermint tea during these Ooh, shows. Right? That's it's, so funny. I drink peppermint tea often dude, during our best. shows as well. It's the best, right? Is that like but, a you know, I'm, thing, I'm all loud tea? with it, and I'm I don't know pouring honey. Who yeah, it's good stuff. Good for your voice. And I'm stirring. And so I unplug my mic sometimes so you all don't hear that. But it turns out you have to plug your mic back in, oh. uh, Amber, in order for people to hear you. Is so that how it works? That was uh, what happened to me. Uh, it's been great co-hosting with you this week. I don't know if they'll bring me back after that, but uh, I did my <laughs> Listen, best. Myron, they will definitely bring you back because they're bringing you into so many things here at ESPN that you can't even keep track of what you're doing or, or what you have written. And by, way, by the way, we will get into Myron's. NIL article. Uh, go ahead and give it a little look, see, Myron. So you, you a little refresher for your for yourself, since you don't remember writing it. Uh, so that I'm we can read it again. Yeah. So I that we can so that we can talk about it a little bit later in the show. I did do that once. I forgot to pod myself back up after I turned my mic all the way down. Like we've all been there. Yeah. Before and your co-host is left just feeling like the sky is falling. Yeah. You're on just mute during the Zoom meeting, and you're talking Blame up the- a storm, and didn't realize you were on mute. <laughs> Blame That's the peppermint another tea. One. Everyone can probably relate to the Zoom meeting now in 2022 and the Zoom issues. I'm not sure it's still an excuse if you're having Zoom issues at this point, though. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Amber Wilson and Myron Metcalf taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Now, we learned, if you were listening to yesterday's show when we were filling in for the guys as well, that Myron Metcalf judges his mortality on Serena Williams' career. Because Myron, me, we're all around the same age with Serena and if it looks like Serena is on the decline at all, then Myron starts feeling some type of way because she is the greatest athlete. And in, in according to Myron Metcalf, the greatest athlete, I think, of all time, right? You would name her, yeah. that, not just female athlete, but I think you have her as at least the greatest athlete of her generation. But it has to come to an end at some point. And yesterday, she lost in the first round of Wimbledon, and you were in your feelings. And I'm still in my feelings, Amber, because... I don't like what I saw. Like, I don't want to see Serena lose uh, so, sort of the glow of perfection. 
that I've always believed she had. I mean, she's been doing this for like 25 years, and then she comes out after not playing for a while, 40 years old, almost 41, loses to a young player, Harmony Tan, which kudos to Harmony Tan, but I just don't want to see the end of Serena. And I don't know, just based on how she played, everything else she has going on in her life, you just wonder, Amber, how much longer does she want to do this? Well, you have to wonder that. Also, because of the age, she's about to turn 41 in September, and you mentioned the injury. It had been a year since she had played a singles match because she tore her hamstring. And obviously, we know that injuries start adding up for older athletes. And then also, Serena Williams, like, yo, she's got other things to do, Myra, like that real estate portfolio, mega yachts, private jets, whatever, right? I mean, it is Serena's world and we are all living in it at this point. So maybe she doesn't want to be dealing with losing in the first round of Wimbledon to a 24-year-old. And she did look rusty, but again, coming back from injury. So maybe anybody would have looked rusty in that situation. Here was Serena Williams in her post-match presser yesterday. Yeah, it was really tough. I, um, I, I mean, I had some chances to win that first set and, you know, didn't work out. So... Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just a different, totally different for me. Do you think it's more likely than not, and I can hear what you're saying already, but do you think it's more likely than not that you won't come back? Would that be your last singles match, do you think? Um, that's, that's, a, that's a question I can't answer. Like, I don't know. I feel like, um, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows where I'll pop up? Obviously, you don't know. We don't know if, if you will be back next year. I understand that. If that is your last memory of Wimbledon, are you okay with that being your last memory? Um, obviously not. You know me, definitely not. But, you know, today I gave all I could do today. Maybe tomorrow I could have gave more. Maybe a week ago I could have gave more. But today was what I could do. At some point, you have to be able to be okay with that. And I'm, and that's, that's all I can do. I can't change time or anything. So that's all I could do on this particular day. If you didn't know who Serena Williams was or anything she's done in her career and a seven-time Wimbledon winner, you would still know that that is an older veteran athlete, right? The way that she was speaking, Myron, because she was speaking like an athlete who is considering at least maybe that was her last appearance at Wimbledon. Yeah, and we've heard, Amber, a lot of those post-match press conferences from Serena Williams over the years when she's lost a match. They don't sound like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. they usually sound like this passionate, fired up, very disappointed and frustrated Serena Williams because of the competitor that she is. That, to me, Amber, sounded like someone who was saying, you know what, I got a much better life beyond all this. I don't need it. Maybe it's time for me to think about walking away. We know, obviously, that she has the family. We know that Serena Williams has accomplished everything that she possibly could in her career, Twenty three grand slam titles. I mean, nobody questions the greatness of Serena Williams. So now I guess it's just a battle with herself. Like how much more does she, I guess, maybe have to prove to herself. I can never relate to this Myron because I can never relate to the competitive nature of professional athletes. Anyways, obviously I was never competitive enough to make it into any sort of professional level and any sort of sport ever. Uh, But I have an impossible time putting myself in Serena's shoes because of it. Because yeah, if I'm Serena at 40 with everything else she's got going on in the life 
life that she has. Like, forget about it. I'm not yeah. showing up to Wimbledon to play Harmony Tan, a 24-year-old on the grass. She did say, though, that maybe she would be more motivated to play in the U.S. Because she said that U.S. Open later this year, like, she wants to play at home and that she might be feeling like that's a more special place for her. So it seems like she's alluding to the fact that she's not retiring, but also, meanwhile, alluding to the fact that she could be done with Wimbledon. Yeah. And I think to me, though, Wimbledon being the premier major in all of tennis, like if you're done with Wimbledon, I'm having a hard time thinking that you're going to play two or three more majors here, you know, in the next calendar year. I don't know if we're going to see Serena at a minimum. I don't think we're going to see her play at that pace ever again. She might be back for another major, but it feels like she is starting to pull back slowly and it's going to be the end of Serena. Sadly, at some point, don't go Serena. The, the game. I mean, you. everybody's got to go at some point, you. but she'll never go, Myron. Like, she'll still no. be around. She'll still be dominating. She'll still be a huge celebrity, and she'll still be a huge face of tennis forever. Yeah. The U.S. Open is what she said was the place where I won my first slam. It's super special. There's definitely a lot of motivation to get better and to play at home. So she said that in that post-match presser. So it leads me to believe that this is not the end for Serena Williams, but maybe it's the end of her run at Wimbledon. And even if it is, I mean, a seven-time Wimbledon champion, I don't think any of us question everything that she has accomplished at 40 years old. Coming up next, bigger question mark for the 76ers, James Harden or Doc Rivers? That's next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 